We're back. It's time for season two of The Empowered Marketer. Did you miss us? This season, we have some amazing guests from top brands, and I cannot wait to share their stories with you. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. So how does a business shift and grow along with the ever-changing e-commerce market? It's easier said than done. Consumers can be fickle, but if you build a powerful, loyal community of buyers, anything is possible. Today, we're talking about the power of organic community and how it can sustain your brand for years to come. I'm your host, Kara Hogan, and this is season two of The Empowered Marketer. The Empowered Marketer is brought to you by Zayas, the B2C CRM. If you're struggling to unify your customer data across platforms and channels, Zayas can help. Go to www.zaius.com to learn more. Today, we're talking to Griffin Thal, the co-founder and CEO of Pura Vita Bracelets. If you haven't heard of them, you've probably seen their colorful, layered bracelets at some point. Griffin and his co-founder bootstrapped the business eight years ago, and it's grown rapidly since then. They've built a massive following with 1.4 million followers on Instagram and a dedicated community of fans who show up by the hundreds for their in-person Insta meetups. Pura Vida is that rare brand that is able to translate an online following into a real-world community. But it all started with a simple idea on a beach in Costa Rica. So Pura Vida Bracelets started on a surf trip to Costa Rica in 2010. Me and my business partner, Paul, went there just to kind of surf and backpack and travel around. Um, and we met these two guys on the beach named Jorge and Joaquin, just making bracelets by hand. Um, we asked them to make us 400 bracelets. We brought them back to San Diego, put them online, put them in a couple boutiques, and from there, the brand was born. Today, Jorge and Joaquin now manage a team of 650 bracelet artisans. They make every single one by hand. We don't use any machines. Their artisans are between Costa Rica and El Salvador. Charity is a part of the collection. You guys have all these different causes that you donate to. Why did you choose to focus on that? And why is it important to the mission and vision of the company? Uh, I think from our brand, just from day one, it was about helping out artisans, uh, providing them with jobs, sustainable income. And after about doing the brand for maybe like six months or to a year, someone emailed us saying, hey, you know, my mom passed away from breast cancer. I would love if you made a bracelet that was pink and resembled breast cancer awareness. So we thought about it and obviously quickly turned a, a bracelet into a charity bracelet, um, you know, donate a percentage of those sales to the charity tied to that bracelet. And now today, you know, we have tons of different charity bracelets, different styles. You know, we, we've donated over $1.7 million to date to our charity partners. So I think it just kind of has to go back to our brand ethos, um, you know, getting people to um, learn about Pura Vida from different angles, whether it's they like the artisan angle, whether they like the charity bracelets or whether they like our rings or style packs. It just adds another dimension to the brand that keeps the customers loyal. Yeah. Do you feel like people are more drawn to companies that have that kind of core mission and something that actually gives back? I mean, I totally think so. Millennials, for sure, they love that stuff. But I don't think you can do it just because they love that stuff. I think it needs to be authentic. Um, and you need to know that the founders really care about what they're doing, not just saying, hey, if you buy my toothbrush, I'll donate 10% to clean the water. It needs to be something that's actually organic and authentic. And I think that that's kind of what makes Pure Vita so strong. And so you mentioned this, actually, that the company's grown massively. And I read on your site that you now have 650 people spanning four countries. How did it grow so fast? What was that experience like? And what were some of the challenges you faced along the way? 
I mean, I think for us, you know, since our products are, you know, majority all of them handmade, it's really about the supply chain management and operations. So we have a team internal um, that we obviously didn't have on day one that now just focuses on supply chain, on structure, on kind of coaching them and building out, you know, their different operational layers. And, you know, when the beginning, when we're selling a couple bracelets a day or, you know, maybe a couple hundred a week, you don't really need this type of infrastructure. But I think that was one of our biggest growing points is, you know, if we want to be selling, you know, tens of millions of these bracelets, how is it going to funnel down? It can't just be amazing marketing and no, and no back end. It needs to be a good balance of the boat. When you're talking about scaling to that, that size, I mean, as the leader of the company, like what, what things were you going through personally? Was it tough to figure out what you needed to do and you know, learn all these things along the way, especially since you know, this is your first company? I know a lot of first-time founders have those kind of challenges. I mean, I think it just kind of comes to balance between like me and my business partner. I focus on all the um, the visual, the creative, the branding, social media, web design, packaging, um, influencers, all that stuff. And he focuses more on like the operation, the back end, the fulfillment, the logistics. By both of us having um, very strong strengths, but very different sides of the business we focus on, it allows us to both um, excel in those areas. All about a good partnership. <laughs> yeah. And so obviously some of your business growth was through word of mouth, but obviously you also did a lot of marketing. So what were some of the marketing channels that worked for you and what was kind of one of the bigger drivers for the business? I think for us, it was always, you know, right on day one, just getting people to like our Facebook page as much as possible. So right when me and Paul got back from Costa Rica, we would run around to the sororities and fraternities back at San Diego State because we just graduated. So we, you know, we were still very connected to the Greek system and we were also in fraternities. So after doing that, we would go to their chapter meetings. We would have our laptops in the back. We'd make a speech in the beginning and saying, hey, you know, you guys one by one come back to our laptops, like us on Facebook, and we'll give you a bracelet. So that's kind of how we started to get the brand off the ground pretty quickly. From there, you know, we instantly had over 100,000 followers on our Facebook page, organic reach, because they didn't change the reach at all yet. Um, so every time we were posting about new bracelets or like this bracelet or comment below to win, you know, and all the stuff we're doing now, um, the reach was, was just insane. So once the reach started to slowly decline, we had to do Facebook paid um, along like with every other brand now. And that really opened up the gates to, you know, reaching a whole new customer base. From there, um, Instagram started organic. So we started to jump on that platform, instantly scaled to becoming one of the most popular Instagram accounts um, with over 1.4 million followers, uh, more engagement than brands double our size. It really shows that our marketing strategy is, is top notch. Also, the Instagram paid channel as well um, has allowed us to just reach a ton of new customers. Our lookalike audience is so refined because of all of our user data in Shopify. And right now, you know, we're testing with Snapchat and it's working really well for us. It's just kind of the blend between both of them. I think that we were lucky to be before the paid only opportunity. So we kind of built that community prior to just relying on paid. And I think that's really fueled the organic word of mouth. Also, our hashtag, we have over 200,000 shared photos for our brand term, Pure Vita Bracelets. So that means that people are getting their packages, they're sharing, they're telling their friends. And we also have over 50,000 Pure Vita reps that have a rep code um, that are just grassroots marketers that just, you know, go on their campuses, post in their, you know, sororities or their soccer teams, you know, or their youth groups and just talk about Pure Vita organically. So we kind of have a good blend of the paid and the organic side. I love that. That's so smart. Yeah, it seems like you had that really good combination of like early adopting on the right platform plus just smart marketing and paid. I noticed on on Instagram that you talked about um, holding Insta meetups. What are those like? Insta meetups are pretty cool. It was kind of like a way, you know, we wanted to challenge ourselves being like, we do all this stuff behind the scenes and 
the fans don't really get to meet the, the whole staff. So we kind of wanted to change that and break through the virtual world and say, hey, we're, we're real people and we live in a real city and our fans are real people. So how do we just kind of break the barrier and connect the two? So the first time we were a little bit nervous. We're like, okay, guys, like we're going to meet at this location at this address in this time. And if one person shows up, then then that's what would have happened. You know, we had over 300 people show up, um, no parking, a line around the block um, just to meet our staff. And the incentive was we gave away a free bracelet. So we basically said, hey, meet at this location. Um, we're all going to take a sunset picture together. And um, from there, you'll get a free bracelet and be able to meet the team and just kind of plan a blanket. And we had a bunch of food sponsors. So it was kind of just a cool way to pull the community out of our community and actually get the Pure Vita fans to meet each other. Photographers were there. Influencers were there. Um, drone photographers. Um, there was kids in strollers with moms and dogs and grandparents. I mean, it actually was like a, a little Pure Vita family. And um, now we're doing these Insta meetups all the time. We have a pretty cool college tour coming up where we have um, three colleges that we picked in LA and we're going to be going to each of them and doing like product drops at a location and, um, you know, going to be getting probably a couple hundred, maybe 500 people at each of those. Yeah. I love the in-person like experience of meeting the team. People get so excited about that. You've mentioned a few times that you have this college connection. Is that a real strong target market for, for the team? And how do you stay engaged with college students? I think our marketing is very geared towards, you know, the high school, college, kind of millennial generation. Um, so I think naturally they're kind of um, engaged with our brand that way. Um, but for us, on in terms of like the outgoing effort, we actually have a Pure Vita Airstream. Have you heard of an Airstream before? Oh, yeah. They're awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a 1969 like, or 1970 Airstream vintage. Um, it looked like a broken tin can when we bought it. Um, polished the whole outside, built a retail store on the inside. There's AC. There's a Wi-Fi. There's a couch inside and there's like a 500 peg bracelet wall. So we take it around to different areas. We do Insta meetups. We have people shop with the Airstream. Um, we have people take photos. There's like a spin to wind wheel outside. Um, there's fake grass. There's lounge chairs, music playing. So it's kind of just like creating this like experience where people want to go and hang out because it's kind of just cool and a good vibe as opposed to just saying like, hey, give us your credit card, buy a bracelet and that's your experience. Right. Well, you're going to have to let me know next time the uh, <laughs> Airstream's on the East Coast. I'll have to go check it out. Of course. Uh, so I saw that you also do custom bracelets on the site so people can design and like kind of pick out the colors and everything. Why did you decide to offer that? And has it been tough at all in terms of fulfillment and making sure it's all right? In the beginning, it was just part of kind of like our wholesale team where like a retail store or um, someone would say, hey, I want to buy 100 bracelets, but not the ones you have. Can I make my own? So we would kind of do it kind of like, uh, you know, one on one. And it was very tedious, a lot of back and forth. So we kind of said, hey, here's 20 colors to choose from. You make it yourself. Here's a disclaimer. It's not going to come in three to five days like a normal order. It's going to come in X amount of weeks. Kind of our goal right now is adding a couple more advanced layers to the program. Um, our goal is to have it be delivered in one to two weeks, um, which also poses challenges. We also want to have different options like choose a different charm or choose a different braided or, or add beads to it, you know, or maybe a possible an engraving option as well. So these are all different features that we want to do on the front end and we know it can work. It's just the back end is obviously difficult. Yeah, that's awesome. I know people love being able to customize things, you know, get the their name stitched on it or engraved on it or what, whatever you want to choose. And then you also have the Pure Vita Monthly Club, which I think was pretty, I don't know, I don't know that many uh, jewelry companies that do a subscription service. So how did you decide to do that? We just wanted to do it because once again, we wanted to challenge ourselves with raising the lifetime value of a customer. 
if someone's going to come to our store and buy, um, they're going to buy one time, two times, three times, whatever. We want to say, how, how can someone stick around for almost a year potentially of just buying bracelets nonstop? So we created the monthly club. Um, at the beginning, we were just kind of testing it. So the colors didn't all match up perfectly. Maybe they weren't styled as best as they could. But now today, um, every monthly club pack is designed by our team, curated with um, some influencers as well. They're very on trend. Some of them have a little seasonality push, whether it's like you know October related um, or whether it's holiday related or or summer related. So we kind of want to throw in like little spins to it where people get it. They're like, wow, period read my mind. I wanted to wear a, a bright peach bracelet in July or something like that, you know? You mentioned that this is all about increasing LTV and kind of building customer loyalty. How do you think about that? What's worked for you to get buyers to come back and buy over and over? I think the subscription is obviously a specific set of customers. Um, it's the highest value customers because they're sticking around for such a long time. Um, you know that when they get their purchase, they're so stoked, telling their friends every month they're sharing it because it's you know the excitement level is all time high. So we feel that if we could continue to kind of focus on that aspect of the brand. Um, and just perfect it. And we actually have a jewelry subscription coming out in April. And that's something we're really excited about. So it's like a curated box of Pura Vida uh, jewelry products. So it's only metal as opposed to string. And it's an assortment of, of two items. And those items can include rings. It can include necklaces. It can include a bracelet, an anklet, a choker, a bangle, a cuff, um, something like that. So it's two of those categories. And the price is around $19.95. So it includes free shipping. Um, they're getting a max value when they get it. The box, the unboxing experience is is insane. The whole point that we want to make when people get it is like, wow, this is massively elevated from anything I expected. Yeah, I'm all about the good unboxing experience. Yeah, I'm not sure if you know anything about it, but I also host a video series called Marketing Unboxed. And we order products, and then we open them and do a whole analysis where we like look at the packaging. And then we also look at the marketing and see what, what different things come in different products. And uh, you'd be surprised how many brands seems like they're investing nothing, <laughs> nothing in the unboxing experience. And it's, it makes such a huge difference when the packaging is like beautiful and matches the brand. It's great. Oh, yeah. So you have a ton of positive reviews on your site, like in the hundreds under every single product, which is enviable for any brand. So how did you encourage people to write those reviews and what was your strategy to get good feedback? It's obviously based on order volume. Um, I think in terms of order volume, we have one of the highest in Shopify. Um, so that really helps with the reviews. Um, but also in terms of like anyone adopting our strategies, we basically send an email post-purchase. I think like it's like one or two weeks after they place an order just to like account for shipping or any delays. And then once they get it, you know, it says, um, hey, you know, do you want to leave a review for your product? Get 25% off your purchase. And then if they want to share it as well, then we'll, we'll also offer a different discount too. So it kind of gives them the incentive of um, being able to provide a strong review, but also um, being able to encourage them to come back and shop again. Yeah, love that. Love a second purchase coupon always works. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so now we're kind of switching into the personal side of things. I like to ask people a little bit about their experiences in business and life. Um, so I always ask everybody about failure. What's one time that you failed and what did you learn from it? I mean, I think from us, just kind of working with different vendors, making sure that the people that you work with, you know, if you are signing something, make sure that, you know, they are going to execute on it. Because sometimes it's easy to be showed this like, you know, shiny crystal ball and that they can do everything. And it's this big agency with 100 employees. But at the end of the day, sometimes it just requires one or two really strong people in your office to get the job done. So I think kind of just like understanding what your goals are, not just sitting there being sold by 
you know, some guy that's top of the food chain, but actually understand who's going to be working on your account if it is like an agency thing or if it's someone that's like um, an app company, just making sure that they could actually do what they're saying they're going to do. I'm a big believer in having people in-house over external. Even though external people can be great, I feel like only, you know your brand best and you know what your marketing should be. So yeah, I totally agree with that. And so we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but you know, you've been in the space for eight years now and you've seen, yeah, from organic Facebook reach being massive to having to pay for everything and switching to Instagram and all these different shifts in the market that have happened. How has your role changed and what do you think is going to be happening in the future that's going to matter to different e-commerce businesses? I think Facebook and Instagram has got to kind of a point where it's like the same as Google. You know what I'm saying? In terms of like, it's a search engine. It's going to be around for a long time. Um, I don't think like just after Google started charging people and raising rates, they're like, oh, Google's going to be gone in five years. It's just it's just there. It's too big of an ecosystem. So I think in terms of Facebook and Instagram, like, yeah, ad prices can go up and be more competitive, but it also needs to be within reason or else Google would have been obsolete by now if they're like, hey, we needed to just 10x prices. So I think in terms of our strategy, I mean, it's going to be the same as it was last year. Um, optimizing some things and making sure that each ad set that we do um, is just very carefully selected. But I think in terms of like what's next, I, I kind of think that with Facebook and Instagram being so big, I don't think there's going to be another channel just to knock them away right now. Mm. And are you looking at any other different channels and saying, oh, we should experiment with this or that or try something a little crazy? I mean, we're working with Snapchat um, and we've seen some great statistics there. So I think just focus on what we're doing on Snapchat it's a similar strategy that's on Instagram. Um, obviously, the, the consumer base is much younger, 13 to like 17. So I think if focusing on those for Snapchat and Instagram, maybe 18 to 24 and Facebook 24 to 44, and just knowing that each platform kind of serves a different set of customers and just targeting the copy and the photos specifically um, is a good strategy to move forward with. If you'd like to learn more or buy your own bracelets, just visit puravitabracelets.com. Hopefully you're enjoying our return, and I promise there are more exciting guests in the pipeline. But who else would you love to hear from? Send your suggestions for our next guest anytime. Just email me at empoweredmarketer at zayas.com or tweet at me, Hogan 27 That's C-A-R-A-H-O-G-A-N 27. Thanks so much, and I'll see you lovely humans again in two weeks.